0: Well, good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church. My name is Chris Corbin, and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here. I'm excited that you have decided to join us for the next 40 to 45 minutes as we continue to explore this invitation to life in the kingdom. And whether you're viewing online or whether you've joined us at the church, we are just so grateful that you have made the decision to join us. I want you to know, Today is a good day. As I've been contemplating what life looks like lately and what the future might have in store, as I'm sure many of you have been thinking about as well, I've been struck by the reality that even though church may not look the way that we have always known or even become accustomed to, there's this reality that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. And there is nothing on earth. Or even as scripture tells us, there is that the gates of hell cannot stand against the church. And so we can remain confident in every season of life as we continue to put our faith and our trust in an unchanging Jesus. Because Jesus is faithful and true. And that means that today we can say without any kind of uncertainty that today is a good day. I also want to take this time to say thank you. Thank you for your continued and faithful support. It's your generosity and prayers that make it possible for us to share the good news about Jesus and life in the kingdom of God with others. This morning, I'm excited to have Reverend Kathy Claussen from our district office who will be sharing with us about this invitation to the life in the kingdom. And so I want to invite you to really lean in to be encouraged to be challenged. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would encounter God in a deep way. So let's invite God to be present with us this morning. And would you join with me in prayer? Let's pray. So Father God, we come to you this morning and we invite you to be present in our midst, in the midst of this service, through our worship uh, and through the word. God, we long to hear your voice. We long to uh, to move closer and to move deeper with you. As we accept and as we receive this invitation to a life in your kingdom, may we trust fully in you. May we rest in your faithfulness and your goodness and your trust. And would you meet with us today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good
1: morning. This morning, I want to share with you from the scriptures about what it means to follow Jesus into the pandemic. You know, these are exciting times to be alive, but they're also kind of terrifying times, because none of us really know what's coming. A number of months ago in my prayer time with the Lord, I felt like he was saying the curtain was closing on one act, and it was about to open on the new act. And you know, when we're kind of in this intermission season where we're uncertain of what's coming, it can be a very unsettling time. But it can also be a time where we take stock and discern afresh in the this season where everything is being shaken. Where can we get our footing and make sure that we are standing on unshakable ground? You know, friends of mine live in Mexico, and they've gone through some of the earthquakes that they've experienced, and they say, when things start shaking, one of the first things you do is look for solid ground. And this morning, I want to encourage you that to follow Jesus is solid ground. You know, the reality is, each one of us that are living in this season, this is part of God's perfect design. Some of us might have been a little nervous about some of the babies that are being born in these days. What kind of future will they have? You know what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17? It says that God has determined the exact season and time in history that we should be alive in the exact place that we should live in order that we might most find him the source of solid ground. The Bible says in Hebrews that everything is going to be shaken. But there's one thing that he's offering us that we get to receive, and it's an unshakable kingdom. You know, when Jesus came to the earth, he said to people, he said, follow me. And as he told them and asked them and invited them in to follow him, then he began to reveal to them this unshakable kingdom that was available to them. You know, it's interesting when we think about this, what does it mean for Jesus to say, follow me? When you look in the original, the word follow there is to accompany me, to come with me and let's journey together. I think many of us have misunderstood what following Jesus really means. And we've thought that it means to follow some kind of creed or join some kind of faith. But the whole Christian faith is all built around following Jesus. And I want to suggest to you this morning, whether you come from a Muslim background or a Hindu background or a Buddhist background or you're an atheist or you even call yourself a Christian, this morning Jesus wants to give you a personal invitation to follow him. And, you know, as we look in the stories in the Gospels when Jesus was on earth, we see that this invitation that he extended was one that sometimes needed to be renewed. We see with Peter, Peter initially in John chapter one, he, he follows Jesus. He responds to the invitation. And then when things kind of go upside down and crazy and this shaking starts happening in his world with the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection that comes, even then Jesus has to come again to Peter and say, Peter, are you going to follow me? And for some of us, this might be the very first time you're hearing this invitation from Jesus to come and join him on solid ground. For others of us, maybe God is inviting us in this season to renew our commitment to follow Jesus like never before. You know, some of you might be saying, wait a minute, like Jesus was alive 2,000 years ago. How is anything he had to say relevant today? Our world is completely different. We have globalization. We have climate control. We have internet. We have Zoom. But you know, the reality is when Jesus set foot on the earth, some of the same systemic struggles that we are facing today were rampant jesus stepped into racism like you would not believe the racism between the jewish culture and the gentiles when it came to gender equality women were considered property sometimes even referred to as dogs there was not gender equality when we think of oppressive regimes that are trying to take over The Roman world, even the church world, had become an oppressive regime, and poverty was everywhere. So I want to suggest to you, when Jesus set foot on this earth, and he said to people, come and follow me, it was very much like what we're living in right now. And, you know, the interesting thing about Jesus's invitation, he doesn't give an invitation en masse to the globe. He gives a personal invitation to each one of us. I don't know if any of you have gotten a chance to see the new drama series called Chosen. It's actually free. They're kind of putting it out as a weekly series And uh, as money is coming in to make it, they keep building on the series, but an excellent drama depicted Jesus's life of how he walked on this earth. And and what you see is you see him encountering people one-on-one and inviting him in the very same way that I'm talking about here. Come follow me. Come join me. Let's go. And so this morning, we want to look in the scriptures at what does it mean to follow Jesus? What are some of the hesitations we have about following Jesus? And what will be the outcome in this season if we choose to wholeheartedly follow Jesus? And so I want to ask you this morning to take your Bibles or in your phone, if you use a Bible app, and turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 57, and I'm going to read through chapter 10, Uh, About verse 4, and I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to ask you to read it with me, and and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation is a translation that is based on the original language, the Greek, translated by a Wycliffe translator. It's a translation bringing out a lot of the heart of the gospel. Like every translation, it has its limitations, but I think it's many ways giving us a fresh glimpse of some of the truths that we have come to hold dear. So listen as I read, and join me if you may. On their way, this is Jesus and his followers, on their way, someone came up to Jesus and said, I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, yes, but remember, Even animals in the field have holes in the ground to sleep in and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place here to lay down his head. Jesus then returned to another and said, Come, be my disciple. Come, follow me. He replied, Someday I will, Lord, but allow me first to fulfill my duty as a good son and wait until my father passes away. Jesus told him, Don't wait for your father's burial. Let those who are already dead wait for death. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere that God's kingdom has arrived. Still another said to him, Lord, I want to follow you too. But first, let me go home and say goodbye to my entire family. And Jesus responded, why do you keep looking backward to your past and have second thoughts about following me? When you turn back, you are useless to God's kingdom realm. After this, the Lord Jesus formed 35 teams among the other disciples. Each team was two disciples, 70 in all, and he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town he was about to visit. He released them with these instructions. The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to drive out into his harvest field many more workers. Now off you go. I'm sending you out even though you feel as vulnerable as lambs going into a pack of wolves. You won't need to take anything with you. Trust in God alone. And don't get distracted from my purpose by anyone you meet along the way. So let's unpack this passage a little bit together. First of all, we see a number of different responses that people have to Jesus's initial request or invitation to follow him. And the first one that we see is we see a guy that's actually overconfident. He's like, sure man, I'll follow you, let's go. What are we waiting for? And almost has a little subtle sense of arrogance. I got this. It almost sounds like the Apostle Peter where, You know, he was like, Jesus, if everybody else falls away, I'm in for the good. I'm in for the full count. We kind of know what happens with Peter. And Jesus stops this guy right in his tracks, and he says, just hold on a minute, brother. He says, you know, this isn't going to be a cushy call. Like he says, the animals have kind of nests and places to lay their head, but I don't. This is going to be a trust, an adventure of trusting in our Heavenly Father. Are you up for that? The second guy, the second person that comes and responds to Jesus' invitation, he's like, he's not overconfident, but he's more what I would say over fearful. And he's kind of like, you know, Maybe he was listening in on the conversation with the other guy, and he's like, oh, I'm not really sure I want to do a camping thing for the rest of my life and not know where I'm going to be sleeping. I think I'm going to go home and finish out my years, and and then when my dad dies, I'll have a little bit of a nest egg, a little bit of security, and then I'll bring that to the journey. And as you unpack the story uh commentators and theologians say that you know this wasn't this man this man didn't have a father who was sick and almost dying and so there was an urgency to this this was kind of a long delay this guy was saying well not now and what does jesus say to him he says now is the time this is your job now it's never going to get easier than right now to choose to follow jesus and then the third guy, he's not overconfident, he's not over fearful, but he's actually under committed. He's kind of like what we talk about, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, and he's still kind of always looking back over his shoulders to see what he's missing out on. And Jesus challenges him, and he says, you know what? It's like a farmer trying to plow the oxen down the field. And if you're constantly looking back, your furrow is not going to be straight, and it's not going to be fruitful. It's a bit like driving down the 401, constantly looking in the rearview mirror. That is not going to go well for you. Or running a race where you're constantly looking over your shoulder to see who's coming behind. The call is to fix our eyes on the goal in front of us. And so as Jesus comes with this invitation, each of us, we actually have hesitations and concerns and things in our heart that have yet to come into the light with him. You know, Jesus is looking for humble, faith-filled, committed followers. And if we're really honest, none of us are that. Doesn't matter how many years you've been a Christian. You know, it's easy to say that I'm a follower of Jesus when everything is going well and nothing is shaking. It's easy to say that when you've got money in the bank and a secure job and everybody in your household is loving each other and they're healthy and you got a vacation planned. But what does it look like to follow Jesus humbly and with faith and commitment when everything around you seems to be shaking? And, you know, I think one of the first things that we need to do is just be honest with Jesus about where are we at right now in our commitment to him. Because the truth is, for some of us, we are even beginning to question if Jesus is also worth following in this season. And, you know, God always calls us to start from a posture of truth. What's going on inside of us right now. But what we do see in this passage is Jesus does find humble, faith-filled, committed followers. And he sends them out in teams, sends out 35 teams into the cities with some clear instructions. What does he send them out to do? What You know, okay, so you're asking me to follow you. What will I be doing? And it's quite interesting. Jesus calls them to really go and do three things. You know, and this is repeated in Matthew. It's repeated in Luke. The same message that he gave the 12 disciples, he gives to the 70. And he basically says, I want you to go out and be the welcoming presence of Jesus. Be the welcoming presence of Jesus. I want you to go from house to house, person to person, and just just go and love on them. And when they're open, and if they're open, then I want you, he says, heal the sick. Welcome, bring the welcoming presence of Jesus, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom, the unshakable kingdom is near. What does it mean to heal the sick? Well, the word heal there actually means to serve and to care for. And of course, it means physical ailments. But as you look at the actual word that's used for sick, it means even beyond that. It isn't just about disease. It's actually about frailty. It's about helping people who are feeling frail, who are lacking resources. It's quite a broad definition for this word. You know, I've talked to some people who recently got COVID-19. And one of the comments that I've heard repeatedly is this disease puts you face to face with your frailty face to face with your frailty. And that's why in this season, you know, Jesus is saying to us once again, the harvest is ripe and there's a need for more labors because people are confronted with their frailty and the things they've been depending on and trusting in are falling away. And there is a ripe readiness to look and listen to someone that might offer an unshakable kingdom. And that's why, you know, this message to come follow Jesus, there's work to be done. You know, I was talking to someone recently and they said, you know, I was out. It was a hot day. I was out in my garden. And all of a sudden my neighbor just came and started talking to me over the fence and started to share really personally about what was going on. And my friend said, you know, it was hot and I was kind of sweating. and But I just felt like Jesus said, just listen to her. So I listened as she, she kind of poured out her heart. And then I felt the Lord say, offer to pray for her. And so so I did. And she readily received. And she said, when I opened my eyes, the woman was just in tears. The kingdom of God had come near. You see, sometimes I think we think following Jesus means packing up all your belongings and moving to Timbuktu. But that's not the call that Jesus had on these people. And I think sometimes we've outsourced this call and kind of allowed ourselves to live in our cushy, cushy worlds where we're going to send off the missionaries and the pastors. They can live that way. They can be poor. You know, God never calls anybody to be poor. What he calls us to do is to go to them he'll provide. He always provides. The kingdom resources only become available often when we run out of our own resources. And so Jesus sends them out, and he sends them out two by two. He sends them out with some clear instructions. You know, what can you expect when you choose to follow Jesus? Number one, you can expect you're not going to go it alone. First of all, he says, "Come, follow me. Come, accompany me. Come with me," and Jesus walks with an authority from heaven to overcome the powers of this world, the destructive powers of this world, whether they be disease, whether they be demonic, whether they be disaster. But even more than that, he notice he sends them out two by two. The call is not go it alone. You're going to go in a company. The second thing is God calls them with honor. I love it. He says, go to people's homes and if they don't welcome you, then leave. Shake the dust off your feet and leave. You know, we are not called to kind of badger people and knock them over the head and make them believe what we believe. There is nothing kingdom about that. But just like we say in the Christian Missionary Alliance, our call is that every single person would have access to Jesus. Every single person would have a chance to respond to the personal invitation of Jesus. But if you don't want it, that's fine. Interestingly enough, when you continue to read in chapter 10, the scripture says that even if people refuse and you walk away, the kingdom has still come near them. They're responsible. He sends you out in company together. He sends you out with honor. He sends you out with authority and power. And what happens? The disciples come out overjoyed. And they say, wow, we can't believe it. The same stuff that you were doing happened as we prayed in your name. And demons left as we prayed in your name. And you know, Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he says, I know. And I've never understood this passage until I was studying it this Uh, for this message, I I always kind of thought it was a reference to when, before the creation, when Satan fell from heaven. But as you look at the actual verb tenses that are used here, they're present tenses. And it's actually that Jesus is saying, I know, guys, I was watching. I saw, I saw as you prayed and I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven as you prayed and took authority in my name. And the joy, Jesus is sharing in their joy, but he cautions them, guys, don't get overconfident about this power thing. He says, remember, the most important thing, the most unshakable thing is that you belong to me. You belong to me. And that joy, nobody can take away from me. I'm the solid rock. I am the solid rock. You know, another prophet many, many years ago in the book of Habakkuk, speaking into a very difficult, shaking time in history, much like we're facing now. And he's crying out to God and saying, what's happening? And he ends his little letter, his little prophecy, his book with this. He says, you know, even if nothing works, I am still choosing to follow Jesus and I'm going to rejoice in him. Even if there's no cattle on the fields, there's no sheep in the pen, there's no grapes on the vines, even then I am going to follow Jesus no matter what because he is the unshakable kingdom. And I want to suggest to you as I bring this message to a close that perhaps part of our wrestling and moving us into this posture of kind of having uncertainty in our responses to Jesus to bringing us into a place where we can solidly say I'm in, perhaps we need to kind of make up our own list of if this doesn't happen, and if this doesn't happen, and if this doesn't happen, will I still follow Jesus? If I lose my job, if I get sick, if I get put in prison for my faith. You know, one of my favorite heroes is Madame Jean Guillaume. Back in the 1600s, she was a Catholic woman. And she had stumbled across the scriptures and she started studying this book of Song of Solomon. And the Lord began to reveal to her that this wasn't a book about two lovers. This was a book about God, Jesus, the bridegroom, and his beautiful bride. And that there was a personableness, just the same way we were talking earlier about Jesus extending a personable call to us that there was a personalness in this relationship and a closeness. And so she wrote a book about that. Well, it totally was rejected by the Catholic Church. And she got thrown in the Bastille. She got thrown in prison. She was a widow, fairly wealthy, but she got thrown in prison. But you know what was interesting? All of these monks and different leaders started coming to prison to visit her to sit at her feet and learn because she had found the unshakable kingdom. You know, I've read books about people that end up in prison for their faith and they say the presence of God is so strong in the prison that after when they got out and they were just moving in the normal mill of their life, they actually missed it and they almost longed to be back in prison to be in that deep place What does it mean to follow Jesus into the pandemic? Well, it means you need to maybe get to know him a little bit. Maybe for some of you the first thing you need to do is to go on to Amazon and and maybe maybe you need to just buy yourself, you know, a New Testament. Just look up the Passion Translation New Testament. Maybe for others of you, you need to just link into this, the chosen series, and take a look. What does it really mean to follow Jesus? For some of us, maybe we need to work on our list of things that we're uncertain about and bring them to Jesus. And, you know, confession. When the scripture talks about repentance, all repentance is really doing is acknowledging with God. You're agreeing with God about some stuff. And so... You know, we want to come and agree with God. Lord, I'm scared. I'm uncertain. I'm not sure I can trust you. But I want to be a humble, faith-filled follower that's committed to go the distance with you. you close your eyes with me for a moment? You know, I believe God speaks to us very specifically, and I believe all of us can hear his voice. Adam, when he was in the garden and he'd sinned, the Bible says God came walking in the garden. And even though Adam had sinned, he could still hear God's voice. You know, we measure God's voice based on what the Bible says and we test it. But one of the ways that you can discern God's voice is often the first thought that comes into your mind when you ask him a question. Because God is not someone who's trying to play tricks with you. He's straight up. And so just close your eyes, and I'm just gonna ask a couple questions. Jesus, I'm just gonna invite you right now, would you just come to each person that's listening? And would you just come and Lord, as you say to each one, you call them by name, and you say, come, follow me. I want you to look into his eyes. And Jesus, would you reveal to each one of us, sometimes, Lord, it's a cloud over us and we're not sure what it is that's holding us back. But would you come right now, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to each person what's blocking them from being a humble, faith-filled, committed follower today? Whatever he's revealed to you, Just lift it up to him. Say, Jesus, here it is. Can we work on this together? Would you close in prayer with me? Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus. I thank you for the scriptures that teach us about who he is I thank you that we do not go it alone, and I thank you that in this season where so much is shaking around us, that you come to us to speak out very clearly that your unshakable kingdom is near, and you offer to take us by the hand and to go with us into our struggles, into this pandemic. Lord, we wanna be available We want to be your faithful followers that in this season, we want to be available in the backyard and in the grocery line and when there's an opportunity to let other people know the kingdom is near here too. And so, Spirit of God, I just pray that you would just fall on us afresh this morning. Wash over us. Wash away the fears and the hesitations. Open our eyes afresh to see you and what you're doing. And we thank you that we can pray together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray.